Hey everybody, welcome to Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I'm your host, Chris Cosentino. We are here to talk about people that inspire and all my guests are inspiring in so many different ways. And I'm really looking forward to digging deep into how they got to where they are, to the top of their game, how hard they've worked, how much they've given up and how they're giving back. So without further ado, here's our next guest. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Losing Your Mind with Chris Cosentino. I am here with Anthony Mangieri, who, for those of you who don't know, I would like to say is the pizza king of New York. Um, when he was here with Uno Pizza Napolitana in San Francisco, the day he announced he was leaving, I think I sat in the corner and cried, tried to buy his pizza oven to take home and put in my backyard, but I couldn't figure out how to get it through the back door. Anthony, it's good to see you, man. What's going on? Thanks, man. Thank you. Uh, just moving along, hanging. Hanging? Yeah. So you are in the Lower East Side. Yes. And, you know, I've been following your, your you've been doing a little remodeling. I see some really beautiful images on the back, you know, images you've been putting up. You know, there's, there's a very unique thing about yourself that I, I don't know if everybody knows as, as I do. Um, you are a, a hand-built bike fanatic just like I, you like, you like really boutique hand-built bicycles. Yes. Yeah, I do. I mean, biking is probably the most important thing in my life besides like my daughter. I would say my order of things goes my daughter making pizza and then biking, running the business and all that stuff is after that. Making the pizza though is more important than biking but not by much only because I need to, at some points in my life, I would say I kind of almost started to think biking was more important, but then I had to like check myself and be like, hold on a second. Like I got to put it into the pizza first. Cause that's what pays for the bikes and the love and the trips and the freedom. Um, and also I realized that I kind of suck at biking in the big picture of things and I'm never going to get paid for it. So, you know, you got to kind of play to your strong suit. <laughs> It's, it's true. Let's be honest. You're fucking fast, dude. Just, just admit it. It's okay. You right. I'm I, not I, fast anymore. You know, I'm getting old, man. I just turned 50 and, uh, you know, like behind. I'm really, yeah, close. I know, you know, it's just like, no, I mean, I'm grateful that I can still ride. I, I run a lot too. Now as I've gotten older, um, and I feel like that kind of helps with the biking. It takes just to mix it up, but like, I'm not really fast anymore. I'm kind of, also I've kind of stopped single speeding. Which That's okay is, though. That everybody at some point, your body says, uh uh, no more. You can't. Either your shoulders give out from yanking on the yeah. or the knees give out from just, just torquing too hard. It eventually happens. It's sad though. You know, like I, I, I never imagined, I never owned, I mean, when I was a little kid or whatever, but since I got like really, really seriously in love with mountain biking, which is, you know, most of my life i never rode a bike with gears never i only mountain well that's the problem you know how it happened is like when i was still living out there i went down the santa cruz bikes and they have like that thing where you can like you know like lease you know rent the bike for the day and it's super cheap and like you know they know how to like get you hooked you know you you get the you get the newest most kick-ass bike whichever model you want in your size all you have to do is bring pedals when you're done you come back they have like espresso they give you a t-shirt 
<laughs> I went down there by myself, man. And I had never ridden a geared mountain bike in my life. And I only rode rigid. I didn't even ride with a front suspension fork. Like everywhere in America, everywhere I rode, rigid single speed. 26 and then 29. Um, I go down there. I, I think I, I got a tall boy. It was like the newest tall boy. Like three, four, like four years ago. And I go and I ride it out. And I go up and ride Wilder Ranch. And I literally was like, holy crap. Like what have I been missing? I can't believe this. What an idiot I am. And like, I was like, this is incredible. This is, and ultimately I was like, this is fun. And you know, at a certain point too, as you get older, you know, like you have to realize like it needs to be fun to sustain doing it. You got, and I'm very competitive by my nature, but like you have to, if you're going to be that competitive and you still work, and stand in front of the oven, you just, you're going to be heartbroken. You know, like there was a period where I started trying to cyclocross race when I lived out there also. And like, I mean, I went to some races like on Sunday mornings after making like 150 pizzas Saturday night and having a, like a three-year-old at the time. And I'd like get up at five, drive two hours and I would get my ass handed to me. I can remember being at, in one in Santa Cruz I think it was like the state championship or something. And I was so deranged that I came up a hill and I like somehow saw the tape, you know, marking off the course. And I just turned right into it and started going through it instead of following it. I kind of just was like, I have no business doing this. I suck. <laughs> you know? And so that plays into also like realizing like things need to be fun. There needs, and the competitiveness is still there within me. But like, I realized like, hey, you know what? You're probably going to be better than me. So that's cool. And then it can make you like go out and ride more frequently and not feel like, oh, oh. and like, then it starts almost to take away like the, the inspiration. And then if you're already doing that at work too, it becomes like where there's no, then, you, then you're looking for another outlet, you know? And then what's it going to be like, you know? The bike is, so, I mean, it's that freedom. It's giving you that joy. Totally, I, totally. I, you got to make sure that's doing that. Yeah. So- I want you to kind of give everybody the history behind, you know, you have really, really honed your craft in and there's things that you and I have talked about many, many times, you know, and, and there's been a great documentary that I saw that, that came out, which was really fun, you know, but you were talking and how you were talking about the dough and how you work with it and, and, and really passing that information on. And I, and I recall you saying one day, and this one was this one always stuck with me if you went to go see a band and the lead singer really wasn't there it was a lookalike you would be pissed if you paid full price for the show yeah and i thought that 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 really that was really really powerful there's a difference between training the next generation and not being there i agree i agree um yeah i mean that again like that's kind of been another thing that i've had to grow and learn um you know, it's been when I moved back here to New York City from California it was going to be the first attempt for me. And, you know, a 20 at that point, it was like a 22 year or 23 years that I had been open as Una Pizza. The, actually, this September that just passed is my 25th anniversary of Una Pizza Napolitana. And then before that, I had a bread bakery for like three or four years. So it's been a long, a long run. And obviously throughout those years people always told me like you gotta you, you can't keep doing it all you have to train people and I was always like no 
And so when I moved back to New York, you know, part of what the plan was and even what was exciting to me was the idea of trying to grow professionally in many ways, you know, hopefully financially, volume-wise, you know, what we could produce, you know, create a different kind of a menu along with what I had always done with pizza. And also, could I train people to work with me? Would I be able to handle that emotionally? Would I be able to rise to that occasion or would I be a spaz and like be a pain in the ass to be around? Um, which I'm not sure how that turned out. You'd have to ask people that worked with me those first <laughs> year or two. Um, but um, as I went through that, it was interesting because it was a period when we did that and then it kind of reverted back to where I did everything myself. And then I almost was like, oh, you see, like I can't have anyone do it. It's going to be all me. And it wasn't good for me because I really was ready to try to grow and let go a little bit. And then for many reasons, it sort of ended up being where I was still doing everything. And I ended up making all the dough, making all the pizza like six days a week. And then, you know, it, it just kind of fed my nuttiness of not changing or growing, which wasn't the plan. And so I was fortunate enough during that time though, to have a fellow start working here with me who was then kind of just doing like the other stuff and prep, but doing pizza a little bit with me, but not every night. And, but he's a very talented pizza maker. And then from him, another guy we got in who's also talented. And we kind of now it's been three years of these two guys working with me and it's, you know, it's amazing, man. And it's been a different kind of a thing. Like I love them and I want to see them grow and have their own success and like, open their own places down the road. And so it's different. I mean, I definitely would say that like, I still am in the restaurant every night we're open. Occasionally if something comes up or an obligation, maybe I'm not here the whole night. Um, but, you know, I, I do still believe that like, you know, if I'm not gonna make every pizza, then I at least wanna be here. I still to this day make all the dough myself. So even if I'm not making and opening every pizza and putting putting every pizza in the oven, I've made the dough that morning. So I'm still still doing that. Um, and we'll see where that goes. You know, when I reopen this spot in New York, which should be any any day now, um, the plan is to reopen here three or four days a week, and that's it. And I'm going to do that by also trying to do like a private event every week. We've been lucky enough to start to build kind of a good private event business so we you know we're, we're good at it and we like to cater to people like that and they come in and we treat them nice and they enjoy that kind of one-on-one -on -one. so by doing that like once a week it covers enough that then I can be open to the public three days a week and god willing we you know we're booked every night we bang at those three nights and we could get by and then by doing that that'll allow me then to really be like all right I'm going to be here those three nights when we're open no matter what unless like I have to go to Italy or my daughter's sick or something really extreme, but otherwise, you know, I will be here. I mean, and also like, you know, I'm, I'm, I want these two guys that work with me to keep growing and working. And sometimes like even in New Jersey, like, you know, um, my friends or whoever would be like, Oh, you should let the other guy make pizza tonight. Cause like every night I'd be like, I'm making a pizza. And one of them would get stuck, not making pizza. So it's like, it would be me and one guy always like working the, working the bench and working the oven and one guy couldn't fit in there. So 
I'm trying to like be even more aware of that and like really so then when we reopen here the space is big enough that I've already told those guys we're going to do it all three nights the three of us working together side by side and then if I need to step out or talk to customers or do anything like that they're already in there banging it and I can step right back in so that's the plan that's great I mean it's it's really you know dough I mean let, let's talk about dough and I mean everybody's talking about right now like pizza's the pandemic put pizza again back to the top of the heap, right? Let's be really honest. It was always right up there, but then it just stratosphered because pizza was something that was for a lot of folks comfort. It was easy to take away. So businesses that were producing beautiful pies were doing really well. And then now modernist cuisine just came out with this monster library of talking yes. about how how it works the different styles different origins you know i've yet to see it i can't wait to see it because you know where i grew up we had tomato pie which is only in two areas right it's in utica and it's in rhode island and it's just like a slab it's so different and then you have traditional and then you have what you're i mean there's like as you know there's a million different ways to go down this path so i want you to talk about dough to everybody and understand like it's a living organism like and that's why you're so particular about it and it's so hard to train that that feel that touch because i know that's what you're doing because i've yeah. known personally long enough to know you're like yeah i wrote in like when you were living here i'm riding in at six i'm gonna make the dough i'm gonna ride home and then I'm, everything's all balled up for service tonight but i prep for tomorrow like yeah you, you had a system you had a cycle that you were working but I don't think people understand it is truly living and it dies and it goes through a process. And I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, gosh, like making dough is, you know, it, there's so many nuances to it and every little thing that you do can make it a different product. It's crazy. It's truly an endless rabbit hole that you can go down. I mean, the, the variations, I mean, man, it's like you change the water temperature, it's different. You change even the salt is different. It, literally, if I use one particular variety of Sicilian sea salt over another, the dough is different, you know? And then the way you mix it, the type of mixer you use, the way you proof it, even the boxes that you put it in to raise once it's balled, you know, in the old days, they were wood, which would draw a lot of the moisture out of the bottom and would make it like a different kind of a product than the, the fiberglass ones or the plastic ones. The thicker, heavy fiberglass ones proof dough differently than the really thinner kind of flexy plastic ones from Italy. Like, it's just, man, it's like endless, endless, endless. And yeah, I mean, it's amazing and it's magical. And like, I think that's really what's kept me interested. It's like the kind of thing like where, you know, it's like every day I come in, I make it, I pray for the best. I still don't know what the hell I'm doing. I'm trying to figure it out. And some days it's pretty good. Some days it's shitty. Some days it's good and then turns bad. Some days it's not so great and it gets better. And some days I want to blow my brains out and I'm just like, ah, and then sometimes it's so good that I'm like, why can't it just be like this every day? What, what am I doing wrong that I can't just lock it in like this? And I mean, probably some of what I'm doing wrong is that I changed, I changed the recipe every day of the week because I'm a psychopath. <laughs> but you besides that, I mean, let's put this into perspective. 
25 years of doing this and this is still what you're saying. So that's 25 years making dough, balling dough, following the fermentation process, following the proofing process, forming pies, topping, and you still, you still say, why haven't I got it the same way? (laughs) One, because you play with it because you're very, and, but you're not playing with the recipe because you're just playing with it. You're playing it because of the humidity levels or you didn't have the certain salt that you normally make it with and things change. But that says a lot. That talks about the craft and how it's constantly a learning curve. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and I honestly though, I do honestly change. I am always changing flowers. I have like no loyalty to anything. It's insane. I drive everyone here nuts, servers, everybody. Cause then I get upset and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, and then I'm like putting the pizzas on the plates and I'm like, there's shit tonight. And people that work here, are like keep it down. My customers can hear you. I'm like, I don't care. And it's like, you can't and then like <laughs> it's like, I don't know, man. I just, I honestly tortured artist is what it is. Well, no, it's like, I just feel like there's this, there's this idea because occasionally it gets there, but then I feel like I, I don't know why I just can't keep it there. And then I change it or it gets there and then I kind of keep it there and I don't really change too much for a week or two weeks. And then I adjust it. But I just know in my mind that there's this place that it can get to. And then a lot of times too, like, especially in the last year or two, I've kind of been in this zone of like, do I want to start making the pizza differently? Like maybe, you know, when I started, I wanted to make pizza Neapolitan, whatever that meant to me. And I mean, this was pre the Neapolitan pizza movement. So it was more like, sorry, can you see me? Yeah, I can now, but your Mr. Potato Head of you was very... Very nice. Sorry, sorry. That's my daughter did that for uh, virtual schooling last year because she was using my thing and I never knew it. And then when I would do Zooms, people are like, what's up with that thing? I'm like, what? They're like, you got a potato head on there. I'm keeping it. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the dough is like, it's just, I, I, I feel like when I started, I wanted it to be very, what I considered like traditional Neapolitan pizza, whatever that was. And it was my you know, ideas of reading books that I had read. And I used to read like every book that I could ever get my hands on. I was obsessed with Carol Field and her books when I was young. Oh my God. Like, I loved her books, man. I'm so bummed I never met her. Um, Really? Yeah. That's, that's a, I mean, she was SF based. We used to see her. I know, I know. And I just, you know, I didn't know. And I was also like, you know, I'm not like, I'm just doing my thing. But then after the fact, people were like, you know, she was lived out there. I'm like, oh. She was such a big, big inspiration. Like I loved like so many of those, those books of that era. Like, you know, like there were just such, it was such also like there was no internet. So everything was so like, I think of it similar to like music. It was like, you know, you, you got stuff and then you kind of interpreted it for what you thought it like, all you had was the book. So there was no no way to see it. Put in the no real, a lot of those books didn't have pictures. They had drawings, um, right? Like some draw, like pencil drawings. And yeah. you're like, you know, and I would stare at these things and try to just understand and find the secrets in these recipes. And then I would go to Italy with my mother a lot. And I lived with my grandmother and I was just trying to find these answers. And so, you know, when I started going to Naples and I, and, and I ate the pizza there, 
it was like nothing I had ever eaten in America, like hands down, like, you know, it, like it was so ethnic and just blew my mind. It was like, it, it was to me, it didn't even taste like Italian food because I grew up eating Italian American food in New Jersey, which is like, you know, everything weighs a shit ton and there's like 50 pounds of garlic in it and the pasta's all mush. And I'm like, what? That's Italian food. What is this shit? <laughs> and so I was like, I felt like I, for all I know, I could have been like eating Indian food when I was in Italy. Um, you know, and so like, I just was like, I got to bring this back to America. No one, this is like unheard of in America. And I wanted to do it so bad. And as far as I know, when I started Una, the only place I was even attempting to do anything like that was this one place in New York City that was kind of a restaurant and wasn't really pulling it off. Um, and that was it. So, you know, there was no bar. There was no one to compare myself to. I, the places that I looked up to were the more Italian-American places like Totono's and, you know, Patsy's and Grimaldi's and John's and all those places. Um, so, like, I really wanted to, to be Neapolitan. And then over the years, it just evolved into something else. And then I sort of didn't care anymore about what was going on in Naples. And I was, like, in my own thing and researching and mixing flowers and not using flour from Naples and then trying American flour and this and that. And then in California, it started to just get really puffy. And I don't know why. The dough just got wacky. And, like, at first I started trying to stop it. But then I was like screw it. I like the way it tastes like this. So I'm just going to let it go nuts. And like, I just further and further push the idea of like, when I would open them, I wouldn't take any, of the, like there would be bubbles. I would see in the dough where I would just be like, all right, I'm gonna put it in the oven. This bubble might explode and be like this big. And then I just bang it off when it comes out of the oven. And there's these huge holes and weird and I loved it. And some nights I'd get freaked out and hate it and flatten it a lot, make it flatter. And then, so that's been that, that evolution of that more puffy pizza. And then in Italy, recently, in like last two years, there's been a movement for puffier pizza, which they call canotto. But that dough is usually yeasted. It's made with a biga. It's usually refrigerated. The younger pizza makers in Naples right now are like really pushed the envelope in a way that's never been done before. There's been a backlash, you know, of older generational pizza makers in Naples and, you know, older Neapolitan customers that are like, what is this? It's all dough. Um, but like a, a lot of young guys that like grew up in pizza making families kind of have started to be more open to the world and they're like trying to find better ingredients and they're more connected and they, they're pushing it and they're making these starters and they're using these long leavening periods, but they're also using refrigeration, which previously was unheard of in Naples. No one would ever put dough in the refrigerator in Naples. Um, so that was kind of happening in the last few years while my dough also was getting puffier and puffier. Um, but I wasn't inspired by that or really knew until recently what was going on over there. And our dough at Una is, there is no yeast and it's not refrigerated still. So it's like a little different than what they're doing. Um, I love what's going on over there, but at the same time, like in the last like year, I've been constantly like, should I start making the pizza flatter? Like I'm all like, I'm like debating constantly. Like, do I keep going this direction or do I pivot and start doing it differently? And so I don't know, but then, you know, when the pizza's puffy and it comes out right, it's like, to me, it's like so magical. But it's so hard to do that, man. It's so, my two guys that work with me too, and they both were like the head pizza makers at Roberta's 
for many years. And one of them was in Roberta's like at its heyday, like when they were crushing and these guys were banging like hundreds of pizzas a night. And they also feel the same, which is like when it's puffy and it works, it's like, holy crap. It's so amazing. But the problem is it's so hard to get it like that, that a lot of times I'm just like pissed off and I don't know if customers get it. I don't know if they think it's too doughy or whatever. Cause like, you're also playing with like the way the oven bakes it. Cause it's puffier. So like you're trying to get it out of the oven, but you can't cook it quite as fast as you would the thinner pizza. Cause then you end up with too much dough. It's like, it's a real like struggle, but so that's where I'm at with the dough, like sort of debating, but I'm going to probably just continue making it puffy. I don't know. <laughs> it's, I mean, for me, it's, it's so amazing because, you know, sitting down at Una and I remember reading about you when you opened first in New York and then there was like the big coup. It hit the news. You were coming to San Francisco. Everybody here was freaking the fuck out. Right. It's like, holy shit. Anthony's coming to town. Where's he going to be? Where's he going to go? What's going on? And it really, I mean, every time we sat down in the dining room, it was fun. You were, I mean, I think that that is one of the most, it's like, it was like this big hug. The, the dough was perfect. We had, we could sit there and shoot the shit with you while you were, you know, you're throwing pies. And, and we were really, I really was inspired by the thought process you put into it because it felt just like I had been in Italy. That, that was that, that special feeling. But then the pizza was distinctly you. And that to me was what made Una very special. And then when I came and had it, when I showed up at your door that day, I don't know if you remember, I was like, hey, what's up, dude? I'm outside. You're like, what the fuck are you doing here? I think you'd been open like, what, a week and a half? Yeah. <laughs> you were like, what are you doing here? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> You're like, just sneak them in. Sorry, <laughs> folks, that we cut in line that day. No. <laughs> that was so funny. But again, it was that same feeling. Like it, it, it elicits this emotional reaction when the dough feels like that, and it's just a visual. It comes down in front of you, and you're just you're it, it like hits first visually. The smell is coming through, and then the feel on the palate and the flavor profiles are great. I mean, I I, I still every day that I make dough or make pizza. I still struggle to find that place, right? And I try to utilize the memories that I have from eating with you as that dough barometer. And there's no way I can, I mean, I don't play nearly enough with dough to get even close. So it's, uh, I think that you set a bar for having fun, right? You did, you really set this level for fun and quality. They're like top of the notch. And I think that's what's really been making it so special. And that's why, I'm always like, hey man, what's going on? Where are you? What are you doing now? Thanks. It's it's powerful, and it's like, I think it's not something that happened for you overnight either. And I think 25 years is a really that's that says a lot, right? Like 25 years of of that crap. Like you've been making pies for 25 years. That's a pizza. That's a serious dedication to <clears throat> art and craft of dough making, the proper amount of toppings. And it's not like it's a game. I think people think there's different worlds when it comes to pizza. There's there's your fast food chain, there's your locals, and then there's people who really like digging in. And you've taken pizza to a level which I think it, you know, is incredible. Thanks, thanks. I, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, you know what's funny is like, I think it's really also like the only way to really understand anything or I'm just extremely not that smart, which might be the case, but um, like, I just think like, you know, when you want to really, like, I just, I, I don't see things so one dimensional and I don't see things as a concept. I don't see things as like, you know, this is what I'm doing for this place. And then I'm doing this at that place or whatever. It's like, I just do this one thing and that's it. And I don't know anything else. So it's like, it's almost like, you know, I, I like, and also don't like, but you know, it's the truth and it's the way it is. I like when like anything that you really love when they're, when you like, you hear a piece of music and you're like, Oh, that's so-and-so because that's just the way they play. Or, you know, even an actor, like a great actor, it's like, they're sort of always sort of the same character in a way it's a different movie. It's a slight different twist, a plot, but there's a way that comes through that. It's like, that's them. And like, you know, I'm not a studio musician. I'm fucking just playing this one style and that's it. Even if it's flat or puffy, but I just play one, like it's one thing. And, you know, lately I've been really, uh, as a way to have like relaxation um, besides riding bikes and running and with my daughter also is watercolor painting. Me and her just are like obsessing with watercolor painting and I suck at watercolor painting. But what's funny is I realized that like, I only am painting pizzas. That's all I paint. And I don't need to look at pictures. I don't need to think about it. Like I could just sit down and paint some random version of the pizza that I want to make. And me and my daughter were talking about this the other night because she's always painting trees and we're both like we have these big discussions we're like sitting in the house listening to music and like painting every night we do it um and we both are like you know I think the only way because we're both not good at it the only way to find a way to express ourselves because you know <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever painted but like if you don't know how to paint it's so frustrating because it's like you you want to create something or like you get a little piece of paper and you get your brush and you're like, I want to make something beautiful. And then you do it. And you're like, this is terrible. Like I'm not an artist, but I know looking at this, this is not good, <laughs> you know? And it's like, but you keep, you want to like, there's almost like this block inside you where you're like, I want to, I want to be able to express myself, but I can't cause I don't have the skill set. So you got it almost, I'm finding even with this and me and her, were talking about this is like, you know, what we have to do is every day we're just painting the same thing. Like I just paint pizza. She paints trees and that's it. And little by little, I'm now I'm like, after many months of doing this, I'm starting to find like, like my own way where like I do it. I'm like, Oh, I kind of like this. I mean, I'm not skilled, but I like what I'm producing because I feel like I'm finding a way to connect to my insides and express myself. And I think that's the same with food. I think the, the magical bridge into where like you start doing stuff where you're like, whoa, like this, and maybe customers don't get it, but you get it because most customers, you know, are going to be eating more on a superficial level or they're sharing it with their friends and they're drinking or they like the music in the space or the vibe or whatever, which is all important too. But like, for, for the person creating it or making it or for the few people that are like, you know, really going to be like, oh, 
I think that magical bridge to where like you can get to something where you're like, yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm speaking my soul now through this plate is just to keep doing the same thing. Just be like, this is what I'm doing because there's, there's a lifetime and a world of nuances within that. Like there's so much that you can explore in like the most simple things that like, I think if you go further and further away from that, it's like the, you know, you, you have to start compromising. You have to start being like, okay, well, you know, somebody else will worry about that. Somebody will do this. I'll do this. And that's all great too. And I mean, that's all what we do too, because we all have to live and we have to pay bills and we have to like survive. And this is like, you know, America and capitalism and we need to like, you know, we want to buy handmade bikes. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But like, I'm just saying, like, I think like the more you can like go that way, but keep pulling back a little bit, it's this constant balance, this constant like struggle. Like, how do I grow and still focus on dough? How do I deal with all the stresses of day-to-day life and be a dad and be a friend and be a lover and be a biker and be this and be that, but then be a nut and worry about dough? How do I do this, this, and this and worry about dough? And it's this constant like kind of ebb and flow of like, how do you just not give away your internals, but still grow as a person and, and live your life and not be a total nut? So, so. I think if I'm correct, I did see nationally that you're going to be making frozen pizzas. Was that a national episode that I saw recently? Um, that how are you going to be dealing with this change? Well, I don't know where you heard that from. <laughs> it, it was a television. I saw it on the TV the other day. What oh, was you that? saw it you on a to, TV show. <laughs> yeah, you had to bring it over to somebody's house. Um, to do a TV. That's acting. <laughs> that's acting. <laughs> that's my other side job. That Okay. Did not expect that. How did that happen? How did you get, yeah. like, what did they do? Just call up and be like, hey, you want to, or did you call them? No, no. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's a long story. And some of it I can't get into because I, I, I do have stuff going on that's kind of on the hush-hush. Okay. Um, but, yeah, I mean, man, Brian Koppelman and David Levine that write Billions um, or obviously if you watch billions you can see they love food and they've you know since the first season all the way through season five and now they've i think they've finished shooting season six have consistently like featured new york restaurants like peter luger's missy and david chang and whoever wherever they like to eat they've used their show as a vehicle to be like hey we love your restaurant we're going to come film here and you're going to get a really nice pay for the day. Cause we're going to buy the place out for a day. And you know, it's, it's a great, like it's a nice chunk and it's great exposure. And they're super, super like flattering to the space when they film, like it's always done in a way of like food porn. So it's like, of course. So like Brian specifically uh, has been a, a friend and a supporter of me and Una since I was on 12th street. He used to eat there back then. Um, when we reopened here, he was here for friends and family. Um, we kind of rekindled and started to be friendly. And then like, you know, a year later, they reached out and they're like, hey, we want to we want to film Billions there. And I mean, it was a crazy scene that season four. They basically started the whole show with like us making pizza as the intro and like, it's like a long scene. I think it was the first time on the show that they ever filmed like, you know, 
Paul Giamatti and Damian Lewis in the same room together. It was like a really important pivotal scene too. And they filmed it right in the restaurant and they wanted me to be in it and say something. And I was like, Oh my God, like, I don't think that's a good idea, but sure. Um, and so we did that. And then like a year later, they reached back out to me and they were like, we want to, we want to start like, we, you know, the, the guy who was the pizza maker for Axe, uh, you know, who was an actor, who's a crazy man. I met that guy. What a bunch of stories that guy has. He was an NYPD narcotics undercover cop in real life before being an actor. I mean, it's like crazy, crazy stuff. Um, so they were like, you know, he's not going to be in the show anymore. And we need a new uh, pizza maker for Axe. So we're going to make you Axe's pizza guy. And that's sort of how that started. And so then we started filming and we filmed a ton of stuff uh, through season five. And I don't think we're in it anymore. I think that was it. So you mean the frozen pizzas to home are not happening? I cannot say. Because yes I saw that no. and my head exploded. I was like, yeah, that's awesome. We'll see. We'll that see. That was amazing. It was yeah. super cool to see. So we'll do, maybe we can talk again down the road. <laughs> Love to. So a couple quick things and we're going to play sure. a little rapid fire game. So what, what do you see now? What, what do you see as the next direction with the fact of, you know, we've gone through COVID, you know, New York has kind of reshaped itself in a lot of ways. I mean, you've been there through the whole thick and thin of it. You started there, you left, you came to San Francisco, you've gone back, you went through COVID. What, you know, now you're focusing solely on your one Lower East Side spot. I mean, and that's like, I love this idea of like the three days a week, like you were talking and, yeah. and training these new guys. I mean, what do you see as, as the direction for the industry right now? And are you seeing, do you think you're going to see more small spots? Do you think we're going to see a more? Man, I, I think, yeah, I think you're going to see more small spots. I mean, I, dude, I don't know. I mean, nothing that I've predicted or thought over the last year and a half has been, yeah. I have no idea. Like I think one thing and then something else happens. Um, God, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, if you have money in the bank, now's the time you can kind of do whatever you want. I mean, spaces are a dime a dozen landlords are hurt and you can kind of dictate what you want and have the muscle for once or at least temporarily. I mean, in New York, not so much, you know, they're it's still kind of like overpriced. Uh, for your space but yeah it's hard to say I mean I don't know like in New York what's going to happen because the outside dining thing is kind of up in the air um I personally am on the fence about it too myself like you know there's a part of me where I'm I'm glad that it saved people but then another part of me is like you know people are getting double triple their dining room space for no rent and like I'm paying a premium for my space and I don't have outside dining, but now like I can't park my car out there because you have your shit all over the street. And at night it turns into like a homeless shelter and a urinal. So yeah, I'm kind of up in the air about it. Same. Huh? Same. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what's right or wrong with it. I don't want to hurt people. I get that people like need it, but like there's some people that like have like, you know, this huge sprawling outside space and have almost no inside dining pre COVID. And it's like, now they got like a 50 seat restaurant for no rent charge. And so like me personally, never am I one to advocate for like the government to start charging more money. But like, I was like, Hey, you know what New York city should do? Start charging rent. You want to have your shit on the street. It's a thousand dollars a foot. 
then let's see how long it lasts. Cause like I'm paying that for my space inside, you know? So like, I think there needs to be some adjustment somewhere. I get that it was like an emergency setup, but like there needs to be some resetting with that, at least here in the city. And I'm assuming probably an SF. Um, so yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know where things are going to go. I mean, I think this winter is going to be kind of interesting, you know, to see what happens. Um, I mean, here in the city, a lot of new places are under construction. A lot of them tend to be smaller. Um, it seems like a lot of places that are opening are places that are backed by people that have other spots. So I think there's people that like made it through and, and have the money to like do something else and have been waiting. Um, and then sadly, like a lot of great places have closed, you know, or a lot of places I think that were kind of sort of towards the end of their run the COVID was kind of like the final, like, okay, we're, we're, we're shutting the doors and that's not even in food, but like in like, you know, shoe repair stores of like old guys and like just different little things that I've seen around the city that have been around forever that like, sadly now, like they've closed permanently. So, but you know, I mean, who knows? I mean, I think it's around the whole world. Like I was in Italy during the, during COVID twice, um, and a lot of places were killing it with outside dining there, like doing really great. Um, so I don't know. We'll you know, see. one day. Yeah, it's tough to say. Yeah. All right. So we're going to do rapid fire question. No answers wrong. Okay. Ready? Okay. Coffee or tea? Coffee. An espresso drink or drip? Espresso. Okay. Taco burrito. Burrito. Nigiri, sashimi. Sashimi. Sea urchin caviar. Sea urchin. Pasta, noodles. Pasta. Dumplings, ravioli. Ravioli. I'm so predictable. Yeah, that was predictable. That was predictable. Red <laughs> or white wine? I don't drink. See, even better answer. <laughs> <clears throat> hang on favorite junk food oh man I, I can't think of anything you will hot dog hamburger um hamburger ketchup mustard mustard whole grain or dijon whole grain beef or pork beef chicken or duck chicken but i don't eat either one no, but if I had to, nah, I don't, I don't eat, I don't, I don't eat really. I don't eat any birds. No, no, I don't know why. <laughs> Everybody's like, why? I'm like, I don't know. Birds are crazy. I don't <laughs> eat them. I don't like birds. I'm like, I'm not they're eating cool. them. I mean, they're, they're cool. They, you know, they do. Yeah, thing. no, I'm a, I don't know, man. I, I have a lot of theories and I live by them and none of them make sense. That's okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or fruit. Fruit. Favorite holiday? Christmas. It's a very Italian. It always is. And then Easter. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah. So it just makes it fun. Well, if people want to see your new menu, what's going on, where your, when your new opening date is, your new hours, where can they find you? Um, well, we have our website. It's unapizza.com. And we have Instagram, uh, which is I think it's at Una Pizza Napolitana. Um, 
and we try to keep that stuff current and we post um we're gonna we're gonna um post up you know as soon as we know our opening date here which should be very soon um we'll do like a little a notification we have like an email an email list that you can sign up for to get like first notification to get a resi um yeah we're going to be open when we do reopen here on the lower east side we'll be open thursday friday and saturday from five o'clock until sold out of fresh dough uh and we also have where I'm sitting now, we built this cool little VIP uh, booth that we're going to, you can get through Resi as like kind of a cool little night experience. And you'll get like a couple of fun little treats and some cool stuff if you want to hang out for the whole night in a restaurant and have your own little space. Nice. I can't yeah. wait. I can't wait to come back to New York and sit down and shoot the shit and have some Thanks, fun. man. And you just did a, you just recently did a collab with Richard Sachs. So if you want to get people want to get some water bottles. Yeah. Yeah. We still have the water bottles. Super fun. And yep. you know, make sure you guys check out the merch. You can get yourself a nice toque for your head because it's getting cold out and some hoodies. Yeah. And, and you got, actually you're wearing the Una shirt right now. Yeah. And we just did. Um, yeah. This, this one we just redid. Um, really. I'm super pumped on the new uh, graphic that's going to be out soon. Um, and we're going to sell those, but it will be in store only for a while um just because we were doing all the merch and it started to become like kind of like a one day a week full job and so we kind of decided now because also in new jersey we had like tons of space and there's no extra space in new york city so like i can't store all this stuff in here so but we're the new the new uh the new graphic is sick i'm super pumped on it same guy that did this one it's like the evolution of this this guy max uh I'm going to say his last name, maybe like we were saying, I always say names wrong. I think it's Mueller. Okay. Very or cool. Max Mueller. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's amazing. And so this, this one we did because the place in New Jersey, we had these two vintage uh, mermaids on the bar, like that held the wine um, that were my friends. So we thought like, let's have the two mermaids. And now we've done an evolution of that with the reopening here. Awesome. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for taking time. I know you're busy. I know you gotta you gotta get cracking over there. So thanks, man. Thanks so much. Happy to have you, and uh, look forward to trying some pie when you uh, get those doors open. Thanks. <laughs>